0: about 13 years now. I attend a college from Nevada and I work at Sears. Um, I got saved when I was about six years old. I, it was a Sunday school message, or Sunday school
1: lesson about like heaven and hell and salvation and stuff like that. And I remember I was a little
0: afraid about going to hell. So I wanted to get it settled then. I know I'd be going to heaven one day to be there for eternity. And I talked to Mrs. Cabralis at the time and she actually led me to Christ that day. And ever since then, I've been trying to grow a strong relationship with uh, Jesus Christ and strengthening my relationship with Him. Um, this may be hardest on me this morning, because it's going to be broken up, and once you get into a rhythm, you don't want to stop. But uh, this morning, I I know, like I said earlier, it's a little bit different. It's going to be broke up a little bit different, but... Each of us in this room, salvation means something to you. Some of you have accepted it. Some of you have yet to accept it. But it's a decision that everybody is forced to make. You will either accept Christ or you will deny Christ. And this morning, as we get into the starting the series on worship, and if there's one thing that we started to, to sit down and we started planning out some of these, the, the next few weeks in, in, in the worship series was... We talked about what worship is, and obviously there's music that's involved in that, and there's a number of different things that are involved in that, but it all boils down there's the, the primary focus of worship is Christ, and the only way we can truly worship is to have been saved. And so we, we thought the first thing was would be salvation, and obviously in churches, the uh, Those of you that are here, I would say 95, 98% of you would say, yes, I've already accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. And so as we started to talk about this, one of the things that really was, was, was discussed was how do we approach salvation and not make it, well, that's just another thing that I've heard all my life. But at the same time, how do we approach it and really challenge you as a believer who's already accepted Christ, but yet challenge the person who doesn't know Christ yet that we can continue and we can grow. And we, when we leave here, we will all have been changed based on God's word. And so one of the things that we started, we, were, we gave that testimony there from Nathan, but saved all my life. I don't know about you. I don't know your circumstance or your salvation testimony. That's pretty much mine. I was five or six years old when I was a young boy when I accepted Jesus Christ as my savior. It was after a vacation Bible school in the summer I, getting ready to go to bed, I asked my mom and we, I accepted Christ on that evening. And I think for many of us that are in this room, those of us that have been in church all of our lives, it becomes difficult sometimes. And that sounds so maybe weird or strange, but the Christian life can become so, it's just what I do. I go to church on Sunday morning, go to church Sunday night, go to church Wednesday night, and there's really no excitement, there's no joy in your Christian life anymore. It's just kind of the mundane, it's just kind of, that's, it's, it's what I do, it is, it's, it's, there's not a passion behind who you are as a Christian. And this morning as we start, and I just want to, I want to throw a couple things out. This first point is going to be pretty short. But I want you guys to think, I want our church, I want you as an individual to, to begin to think about your walk with Jesus Christ. Again, some of you have been in here and you, you've been saved, you've accepted Jesus Christ and this, has been, this is your testimony. Nathan Knapp's testimony would be your testimony. It would be similar to my testimony. I got saved as a kid and I've went through the Christian life. Consistency becomes an issue. Passion and, de- and desire and drive becomes an issue. And a lot of things that that church doesn't become routine becomes an issue oftentimes for those of us like myself. My own personal life, my testimony would be I was a Christian and I played the game and I knew how to live and I knew how to talk and I knew how to say the right thing to you and the right thing to that person but when I left these walls I knew how to act out there but my life was never real based on Christ. And so this morning, as I, as I challenge you before we go into another song and another testimony, I think we could even put this into a, in a, in a thought here of, of your job. When we first get a job, there's an excitement. There's a passion Hopefully, assuming that it's something you enjoy doing. But there's a little bit of a drive about your work. But then as you've been there for a couple months, you've been there for a year, now five years, now seven years, 10 years, 12 years, 15 years, 20, 25 years, it's you go in, you clock in, you clock out, you clock in, you clock out. There's nothing, you'll learn what you need to learn, you'll do the things that you need to do, but you're not, you're not too driven to go too much above and beyond. You're not too driven to go find out too much more about the job that you have. You're not too driven to do a lot of different things. It's just, again, it's the mundane I go, and, and our Christian lives become that for many of us that are in that position. I've been saved all my life. It becomes so mundane, it becomes so boring, it becomes all those things. Here's a question, and then we'll, we'll answer some of this as we go throughout the, the morning, but how do I keep a spark? How do I keep that drive? How do I keep a passion? Let me ask you this, do you have a spark anymore? As we dive into this little series, this, this service this morning, do you, do those of us, do you in this room that have been saved all your life, you've been to church for the majority of your life, do you have a spark? Has it went out? Could I ask you, do you still have passion? What's your passion like? Do you know what really drives somebody? Is their passion. Some of you are passionate about different things. It may be your business, it may be your family, it may be a number of different things, but I could tell you very quickly who you are based on your passion. I could watch your life in a short frame of mind or a short time, and I could see what you do and how much time you spend with your family and how much time you spend at work and how much you you deal with money and how much you deal with this or that or whatever it would be, but quickly you could find, and just like you could with me, what your passions and what my passions are. You may find out a lot about me based on how I speak. You know that I enjoy sports. Why? Because I use sports analogies a lot. I use my family a lot. I talk about certain things. You know, you know a lot about people by what they talk about. What is your passion? I've been saved all my life. I grew up in church. I'm here because why? That's what I'm supposed to do. What is your passion this morning? In Titus chapter number three, in verse number 37. It says this, in Titus 3, and not 37, 3 through 7, I'm sorry. <laughs> For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts, pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after that, the kindness of love of God and our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration, and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Can I challenge those of us, those of you that are in this room this morning as we go into this next point? But do you remember a time where you had a passion? Do you remember a time where this verse actually meant something to you? This We ourselves were sometimes foolish. Listen, everybody in this room, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, there was a time pre-Christ. And that's what this is talking about. Disobedient, deceived, serving diverse, uh, diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice. And here's what it says. But after that, the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. Do you know what? That verse right there should bring us joy, should bring us excitement, because there's nothing that I have done that gives me everlasting life. The salvation that we'll talk about this morning and the salvation that you've experienced maybe in your life is not by my righteousness. It's not by anything that I have done, but it's by the goodness, it's by the grace, it's by the mercy of an almighty God. And as we go into another song, can I challenge you this morning? for some of you, this is going to be the hardest service that you've ever sat in because you, you're a structure person and it has to go the same way every single time. And you've got to hear the three points out and then we can do all these things and we've got to sing three songs and then we've got to have a special and then we have to have the first point, second point, third point, then we've got to give an invitation and then we're going to say goodbye. Can I challenge you this morning? Satan will distract those of you that are like that this morning and not allow you to get involved in the worship this morning. But from the start until we wrap up in just a few minutes. Will you stop and think about your salvation? Will you stop and truly go back to that time? If you've been saved like I have all my all my life, all your life. Would you stop and go back? For me, it's going back to a trailer. <laughs> I don't know what it is for you, man. Brain so hard for the service. What is it for you?
2: I was saved around 10 years old, and uh, going back to it, it was it was the fear of hell. I didn't want to go to hell. My dad was explaining everything the the everything that was going to happen in the book of Revelation, and uh, I just didn't want to do that. I didn't I didn't want to be caught up in the, in that, and uh, so I asked God to save me. Um, I remember clearly where we were. By, uh, by my dad's bed, we knelt down, my brother and I, and uh, accepted uh, the Lord as, uh, as uh, our savior. Um, years down the road, about four or five years should I say, um, when I uh, started working at Vons, um, I would sin. I would do things that I shouldn't do. God would convict me, and right then and there is uh, another point in my time that I'm sure that I've heard testimony I've heard, uh, testimony of, I've heard uh, um, studies on it, to where you'll start to doubt your salvation. You'll start to doubt it. Um, when I was working at bonds I would doubt my salvation if I was truly saved, if I truly accepted Christ as my Savior. Um, and right then and there, I was pushing, I, I, I remember I was pushing about seven carts, seven carts back into, uh, into the store and I just stopped. There was nobody behind me or anything like that. I stopped and uh, asked God to save me again, uh, just to reassure my salvation. And uh, from there, it's it's no man can pluck you out of His hand. When that when that verse says that to me, not even yourself can pluck him uh, pluck you out of His hand. Once you've truly accepted Christ as your Savior, once you've truly believed in Him and what He's done for you. Um, you're his. You're his. From there, it's, it's serving him as, to the best of your ability as, as much as you can. So, it's really
0: Thank good. you, Marcus. <clears throat> Again, I, go back to that place. Go back to that place. Where were you? Where were you? And as the band is going to sing And they're going to play another song I know it's not invitation time Maybe the altar needs to be Where you need to come this morning But will we worship God Put aside the traditions of church And put aside the things that you know Allow God to take you back to that moment Not by works of righteousness Which we have done but by an almighty God. Why don't you worship this morning?
1: My name is Martin Green. a uh, member now at Oasis Baptist Church. Um, Forty years old. And uh, to really summarize my testimony, uh, when I was young, I got saved. I believe I was like nine or ten. And I was going to the potter's house and I would go with my sisters there. And we would go on a Saturday night when they'd be watching uh, A Thief of the Night, Distant Thunder, Mark of the Beast. So I remember that's actually you know when I got saved, and I remember I keep going up to the altar to get saved, and uh, every Saturday night. So finally, one service, Pastor Ken, he gets up there and he says to the to the whole church. So there had to be other people doing it, but he says, uh, he says you know it's great that you continue to come up here to the altar to get saved. He goes, but sooner or later you have to grow up, you have to accept that Jesus Christ has accepted you, and you have to move on. And so I didn't really quite get the impact of that, but obviously I remember it. And so, growing up, I grew up in the projects in Albuquerque, and always was a go-getter. So I always had to have a job. But growing up where I grew up, knowing Christ and doing the church bit, I still had my side life. So it would lead to you know partying and uh, definitely you know drugs, drinking, uh, the whole nine yards. Uh, eventually, that life began to take over with the drugs and and the partying and the money, and it became an addiction, and it became an overwhelming addiction for countless years and I would always tell people you know I'm not going to stay this way Jesus is going to change me I had a relationship with the Lord and he would always stay with me he would never leave me and a lot of my family members a lot of the church members that knew my lifestyle they would tell me you know you got demons you know you're lost and, and uh, but the Lord he, you know I would always tell them but Jesus Christ he's, he's with me and I know that he has a plan for my life and even though I keep going back to these ways it's not who I am and I know that God has a plan for my life and so just through time, you know, being locked up over and over and over repeatedly and uh, just watching God really have victories in my life from all the crimes that I would commit uh, because of the addiction, people that I would hurt or even family members and loved ones that, that I would cause a lot of pain, um, the Lord would always restore my relationships. He would always rise me again immediately to the top. And even to this day, to the job that I have now and, and being here at Oasis, Uh, the job that I have right now, you know, you can just really see God's hand. But I've carried him through all this. And I think a big part of the beginning phases where I started to get weaker was when I started to question, well, you know, am I pushing the limit? Is God going to give up on me? Have I went too far this time? And so many times I would get caught up with, well, am I still saved or am I not saved? And so many times I would just wander off to the side and, and God would have to come over and he'd have to get me. Jesus would have to come over and he'd have to get me out of the car or out of the bridge or wherever I was at at that time and just wanted to give up. He would come over and he would say, you know, Martin, you need to dust yourself off and you get up and fight. And uh, real quick, I think one of the biggest points of my life, uh, I committed suicide. So I actually went up to the top of a mountain because I didn't want it to be like I was playing around. So I went up to the top of a mountain and uh, I cut the main artery on my arm. And so, long story short, after passing for six minutes from that and him putting me back and just telling me, you know, he didn't approve of that, you know, there's no limit to where he won't go to get us. There's no drug house, there's no alley, there's no nothing where he won't continue to come back and get us. And so it wasn't until really that I realized he's not going to stop. He's never going to give up. That's when I realized. Even if, it's the last, even if it's at the last second, he's going to come back to get his child.
0: I know Martin's not here this morning. He is uh, at a funeral for somebody in his, on his mother's side of the family, but many of us, you may not have that exact testimony. Your testimony may not be drugs in and out of prison, but your testimony may be very similar in that The thing that he said at the very beginning of that testimony was he would come down every week and he would get saved and he would get saved. And that pastor said at some point you have to accept that Christ did that for you. And as we go through our lives, I think many of us, we have such a hard time accepting the fact that God would die for me. And I hope you've thought of your salvation this morning. I know for me, over and over and over, as I was a teenager into my young adults, even though I, in my young adult years, even though I had given my life to the Lord, even though at some points of that time I was serving full-time in ministry, I would fall and I would fall and I would fall and I would struggle and I would fall and my problem became, God, can you still use me? you ever been there? God, who am I? Who am I? But we have to accept, we have to remember in our lives, again, it's not by our righteousness, it's not by our works, it's not by anything that we've done, it's by an almighty God who gave himself for you and for me. And in the midst of those times and in the midst of those trials, we look at all these things and we go, but God, I know I'm saved, man. I'm I'm a disaster. Lord, can you use me? And this morning I'm gonna hit on a couple passages of scripture. And I'm gonna give you a couple thoughts here. But in Mark chapter number fourteen. In Mark chapter number fourteen, we see here the the story of Peter. The story of Peter who is at the point of denying Christ. This is the passage where he will go and deny Christ. But this morning, can I, can I just ask you this as we read this? We'll, we'll go through a couple things, but let's, let's read this. Mark chapter 14, we'll start in verse number 29. We'll read a couple, pas- or a couple verses, and then we'll go we'll move on, but in verse number 29, it says, But Peter said unto him, Although all shall be offended, yet will not I. And Jesus saith unto him, Verily I say unto thee, that this day, even in this night, before the cock crow twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. In verse 31, But he spake the more vehemently, If I should die with thee, I will not deny thee in any wise. Likewise also said they all. Have we ever been to a place where as a Christian we are, we're like Peter. God, I will never deny you. God, I'm not going to do it. Have you ever said, I will not? Anybody ever done that? I'm never going to. Has anybody else had a life like mine? And every time you've said, I'm never going to, you've ended up doing it. There's been two, three, four times in my life as an adult where I've said, phew, Never doing that again. My first job here in town was teaching. I was a a school teacher and a youth pastor at a Christian school. I got to teach 7th and 8th graders. That's a scary thing. And I loved junior high and I had worked with junior high all through college and I had done different junior high ministry but I Man, after a year of working with junior high in the classroom, when at the end of that year came and I knew I was not teaching again, I said, "Praise the Lord, I am never doing that again. I'm never teaching junior high students again." Well, that didn't last too long, cuz in about 2 years later, I was in the classroom teaching Junior high students. While I was here, I was teaching, and I got to a place where I was—I thought I was done teaching. My classroom days were over. And, whew, praise the Lord! I'm not teaching in the classroom at school anymore. Next year, guess what I was doing? Teaching in the classroom. I got done with student ministry, and I thought, "Whoo." I'm done with that. I can erase those days of my life of all-nighters, of long trips with 30, 40, 50 teenagers screaming in the back of the bus. About nine months later, I'm back with students again. But have you ever been to that place in your life with Christ where you said, I will not deny thee in any way? Lord, I've given you everything. I am done Maybe last night was your whatever you struggle with and you did it and when you got done, man, I'm not doing it again. Maybe you've gone and it's been two weeks, three weeks, a month, six months, a year, two years, three years, and whatever struggle that you faced and you fought, you have been clean and you've said, I'm never going to do it again. Can I challenge us all of our overconfidence and who we are? We always stay focused on him. Because even Peter said, but he spake the more vehemently. Basically, he was excited. He was passionate. If I should die with thee, God, I'll die for you. I'm not going to deny you. If we skip down to verse 37, it says, And he cometh and findeth them sleeping, and saith unto Peter, Simon, sleepest thou? Couldest not thou watch one hour? And in verse number 40 and 41, it says this, And when he returned, he found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. Neither wist they what to answer him. And he cometh a third time, and saith unto them, Sleep on now, take your rest, it is enough. The hour has come, behold, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners." Could I challenge you at this point as a Christian, those of you that have accepted Jesus Christ, you know Christ is your Savior, watch and guard yourself for being overconfident that you're going to never do something, that you're going to, you've beat it. Satan is strong. Satan says, what, he's roaring, seeking whom he may devour. But could I also challenge us as a Christian that we don't ever lose that personal touch and that personal contact with Jesus Christ. Do you know why many of us fall and many of us do the things that we do is based on that right there. Jesus has called us, hey, come and pray and, and come and fellowship and come and do these things and there we are, we're off to the side and we're just sleeping and he finally says, you know what, sleep on, take your rest. Man, could I challenge us all In your Christian life, as you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, that you don't lose that personal contact, that you don't forget to pray, that you don't forget to seek God in that personal way. As we keep going forward in Mark chapter 14 and we go to 54, it says this, and Peter followed him afar off. Look at that word. It says afar off or at a distance, even into the palace of the high priest and he sat with the servants and warmed himself at the fire many of us kind of follow at a distance we just we're followers of Christ but we're good to do it from a distance listen i know i've accepted jesus christ i know i've done all these things but but if you allow me just to kind of i'm not i'm not going to intrude in your personal space and i'm not going to do this and i'm not going to do those things i'm willing to just stand back here with everybody else and kind of Keep my hands warm at the fire, just like Peter did. And my relationship becomes at a distance from an almighty God. Is your relationship at a distance? Listen, Martin's testimony is incredible. He has a powerful testimony. And he's excited and I... I, get to talk to him a couple times a week. He's excited for what God's doing in his life, and he's teaching a class starting next week. And... But do you know, just like he did, he would get involved in the drugs and the things that he was involved in. He knew he was, a, he, had a, he knew he was a follower of Christ, and he would do good, and then he'd fall. Then he would do good, and he would fall. We do the same thing. And yours may not be drugs, and yours not, may not be alcohol, yours may not be some form of abuse of those types of things, but, but here's what we do. We become overconfident. Man, I've got this beat. We get to a place where once we get it beat, we get confident. Guess what we don't need anymore? I don't need God. I don't need to sit on my knees and pray and beg God for an Almighty for to, to do a healing and a miracle because it's already happened in my life. And so when I do those things, I start to just kind of hang back and, and I'm a follower of Christ, but I'll just kind of do it back here. And the last couple of scriptures are here. In verse number 71 it says, verse 71 and 72, "But he began to curse and to swear, saying, "I know not this man of whom ye speak." And the second time the cock crew and Peter called to mind the word that Jesus said unto him. Before the cock crow twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. And when he thought thereon, he wept. As we get confident, as we lose contact, as we get farther away, we naturally go right back to the things that we did. He began to curse and say, no, I don't know that man. Like I said, many of us, we may not be at that spot like Martin, but man, how many of us in our lives have come back and forth, we go to that place where we're, we're, we're in love with God to then the next thing you know, we're over here, and then we're in love, and we're over here, and we're in love, and we're over here. Our consistency falls because we fall away from God. Our consistency falls because our relationship with God becomes at a distance, Could I challenge us this morning that we stay close to Him? I'm going to read another passage and then we're going to go to the next point. In Romans chapter number six. If you have your Bibles, go to it with me. But in Romans chapter six and verse 16 and 17, it says, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey. His servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether to whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart, that from a, doc, from a doctrine which was delivered you. Could I just ask you this morning? Would we be servants? Would we be slaves to Christ? Ye were the servants of sin. Listen, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you've accepted him as your Savior... You were a servant of sin. You were a slave to sin. And God saved you. God cleaned you. God wiped you clean of all of those things that we could be what? It says servants of him. That we could obey God. That we could be a servant or obedient unto righteousness. We don't have to fall away from God. We don't have to do those things. But can I challenge us this morning as we go into another song and as we continue to, to serve God or worship God this morning, God is such a forgiving God. I started this point by saying what? Martin had a problem accepting the fact. Can we just Remember, go to our salvation. Jesus Christ accepts each and every one of us. He doesn't accept the sin, He doesn't want us to stay that way. But He accepts and loves Aaron Flanagan. He accepts and loves you. Man, don't be slave to sin. Stay close to Him. Don't lose that personal contact. And as we sing this next song, would you worship God, thinking about your salvation?
3: Hey, my name's Rebecca MacMillan. I'm 53 years old. And I was just saved um, less than a year ago it it only seems like a couple of months Um, I had been a uh, practicing Wiccan actually uh, since 7th grade so I had never known uh, the Lord I had never really taken it seriously and I've had I've been blessed with a friend who, who spent her life trying so hard to bring me to the Lord. Um, my family and everybody, they live in Ohio. And it was probably um, the worst and the darkest times for me when I moved here to Las Vegas, uh, I didn't have a job. I, I needed um, a place to live. I, I needed a lot. And my, my friend in Ohio, who's my, she's my sister, Um, non-biological, but I started thinking about her and she gave me this Bible and she put my name on it. She had it inscribed and I thought, you know, maybe there's something to what she says. So I thought I had nothing to lose, you know. I'll open it up and I'll read it and um, I always had this thing about Jesus. I didn't really know who he was. I, I didn't know what story to believe. I didn't know how It could impact me. And then the more I read, the more I found myself thinking about it and and talking, and then I found myself praying, and then I found myself knowing. And I I have to tell you, at at 53 and the life that I have lived, the lifestyle that I have lived, I would have never looked at someone like me and thought, they can be saved. Not for real. And I could have never thought that Jesus could love me, um, that I was worthy of being saved. A couple weeks ago, I was even more blessed. And I was baptized here at Oasis Baptist Church. How I came to Oasis Baptist Church is quite a little story in itself. While I was here in Vegas and I was, I, I was coming to know the Lord. And I I knew, I just knew, that everything that my friend had told me was true. That everything I was reading was right. And I began a relationship with with God. And I went home to Ohio and I went to my friend's church and surprised her by walking up to the front and taking the Lord as my Savior and being saved there with her. So the church there in Ohio... I, I didn't have a church here in Las Vegas, and they said they'd find me one. So when I went to work, I had I had gotten a job, and I went to work, and uh, there was this uh, young man that I worked with, and we were talking about music, and I said something about just being, you know, looking for a church, and he writes down on a piece of paper, and, and he says, I have a really, really nice church. You should come and try it out. Um, our pastor's really nice. I think you'll enjoy it. I took the piece of paper, I put it in my little purse, and I thought, well, you know, I really want to wait until I hear from my friend to see what church they found me. So then I get a phone call from this lady. She said she's from Oasis Baptist Church, and she'd been contacted by the people in Ohio that um, I needed a church. So I thought, you know, all these people went to all this trouble for me. So I showed up at church, and when I sat down, I looked up, And there's my friend that I work with it's his church too I don't know how many different ways God could have welcomed me and let me know that I was worthy and and being saved was um, a deserved blessing and I have to tell you I'm happier every day thankful every day and I wouldn't change one minute of being
0: this new Christian. And uh, thanks to Oasis Baptist Church, I just grow. I just grow. Hmm. Thank you, Rebecca. I forgot something down here, but truly a a really cool kind of story, testimony there um, with her. And I'll never forget, I got I was the one who received an initial email from the, the pastor's wife there in Ohio and and I'm thinking we get those types of things pretty often. You contact somebody and yeah, 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 yeah. So then I, I the whole thing with it was actually Tim and how they knew each other and all those things but we're all worthy or we're not worthy but God deems us and redeems us and allows us to be worthy but as we wrap this up this morning and I know again I, I it's a different type of a service as it's kind of been broken up. But, you know, there's many of us who are maybe even in that spot where Rebecca is, we're kind of just saved. Um, and here's the thing. You know, the, uh, this is hopefully not taken as a, a bad thing, but the Debbie Downer type of deal. But, you know, the thing that's going to be hard for Rebecca, just like it's hard for any of us, is at some point it's going to be hard. The excitement of, woo! I just accepted Jesus is going to come upon a really, really, really tough time in her life. And then what? And this is kind of what we've talked about this whole, this morning is, is there's different things. She's at the exciting stage of, of being a Christian. But do you know we can all feel that every day? We all can feel that same thing every single day. And when she's been saved for 10, 15, 20 years, guess what? She can still feel that same thing. But it comes back to us growing. It comes back to us staying close. It's coming back to us not becoming a Christian from a distance. It's coming back to all of those things, hanging with the wrong crowds and getting back into our habits. But at some point, that zeal may begin to die out. Could I challenge You, Rebecca, but can I challenge all of us as a church? We are going to have to do a couple things. As a Christian, we have to do a couple things. I have got to be determined that this is what I've set to do and I have to do it. It's going to take me every single morning to wake up and to have a relationship with God. That's what it takes it takes that from you. I've gotta stay close, I've gotta build this relationship. Listen, with my wife and I, I don't just come home and go sleep in the other room and never talk to her and then expect that it's gonna be good. For some of you that may be your marriage, I hope not. But man, I've gotta build that relationship, I've gotta talk to her, I've gotta speak to her, I've gotta have, we've gotta interact all the time to grow. Listen, I have to choose on a daily basis to keep that relationship with her. After 10 years, the fire can go out. But we have to. I have to be committed to her, she has to be committed to me that the fire does not dwindle. The same thing I have to do with God. He's committed to me. He's committed to you. Don't worry, he died on a cross, he shed his blood, he, he rose again. He's committed to you. He's committed to me. But am I committed to him? I have to commit that. I have to decide I am going to stay committed. I'm going to stay excited. I'm going to keep a passion and when it gets bad, I'm going to stay committed. When you lose the job, I'm going to stay committed. When there's a family circumstance, I'm going to stay committed. Every single day God talks about committing daily, dying daily that it talks about. We're gonna stay on fire. I have to make that commitment that I'm gonna stay on fire. Don't hope that you will, but tell yourself, I'm going to. I am going to do this. And when you try to tell me I'm not, I'm still gonna do it. You have to make up your mind to stay committed. When you start to wonder, when you start to get discouraged, you've gotta get on your knees, you've gotta find that friend. And who is the friend? Who's the accountability? Who's your discipleship? Who's a mentor? Who are those people in your life that you look to? When you get discouraged this week and you get the phone call, who do you call that's going to lift you back up and say, hey, it's okay? You've got to recommit that promise that you made. Listen, there's a number of different ways, but can I challenge you to stay in church? Can I challenge you to serve Can I challenge you in a number of different ways to stay focused in God? Many people will say the first thing that goes in many people's lives is church and the service to the Lord. Well, I'm getting so busy, I'm getting so busy, I'm overwhelmed, I'm this, I'm that, so I can't do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. Can I challenge you? Church, service, your friendships, all of those things, have to be made a commitment to God. I'm going to read a couple more verses of Scripture, and then we're going to wrap up this morning. But in James chapter 4 and verse 7, it says, Submit submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Listen, a couple things in that verse. In those passages, it says, Submit But then it says, resist. When we resist the devil and submit to God, it says what? He will flee from you. It says to draw nigh to God. Cleanse your hands, purify your hearts. Listen, in order for Rebecca, in order for you to stay focused and stay excited and keep a zeal, in order for us to have that zeal, we have to do those things. We have to to put into practice James 4 7, submit myself to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee. Draw nigh to him, and he will draw nigh to you. Church, I know this may be an extremely weird service to some, but where's your salvation? Have you thought of your salvation? When was the last time prior to this morning, me bringing it up, that you went back to the time when you were a kid and you thought of Jesus Christ coming into your heart? That you went back to that time a few years ago when you thought of Jesus Christ coming into your heart? That you went back when you were maybe a young adult or whatever it would be, that you thought of Jesus Christ coming into your heart? When was that time for you? you know some of us in here need to grab a Rebecca or the other people in this room and disciple them, mentor them, grow them so that guess what? We can see more of them. I'm going to share something with you this morning that we're going to do, and I know we're a little bit longer than normal, but we're going to do something a little bit different. They're going to play a song, and then I'm going to give you guys an opportunity to be a part of this, but I don't know if you've ever seen or been a part of cardboard testimonies, but we're going to do this this morning. It could completely flop, and we could look like fools, but you're going to participate, and then it's going to be successful. But just like those three people gave a testimony, and Marcus randomly walked up and gave a testimony, thank you. I don't necessarily have the time to give each one of you three to five minutes to stand up here and give a testimony. But if you were to think of your testimony, what would it be? If you were to think in two, three, four, five words, what would your testimony be? I made up a generic one, and I put it on this little thing, And I put complacent many years. I don't know your testimony. I don't know if you're complacent. I don't know if you're a drug addict, if you're an alcoholic. I don't know what your story is. But then on the back I said, God transformed my life. I don't know what your cardboard testimony would be. But can I challenge you this morning? Again, it's a different service in the back, on all sides, there's some over here, some in the back, and there's some over here. I can't make you do this. Some of you already did it. I talked to some people in classes. But would you go write on a piece of cardboard in two or three, four words what your testimony is? And then on the back side, put God changed your life or been saved for 10 years or been cleaned for 20 years or whatever that would be. And take that back to your chair. And in a few minutes, we're going to have, Lord willing, this altar full of your testimonies as people stand up here and share their testimonies quietly. And so as the band plays, I know it's different, but would you go to one of the back tables? If God would lead you to, would you write on a piece of paper? what your testimony may be